Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping. Returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull & Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code BEN at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull & Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code BEN. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. On Monday, President-elect Trump held a meeting at Trump Tower with top members of the media. The New York Post reported, quote, Donald Trump scolded media big shots during an off-the-record Trump Tower sit-down on Monday, sources told the Post. It was like an effing firing squad, one source said of the encounter. Trump started with CNN chief Jeff Zucker and said, I hate your network. Everyone at CNN is a liar and you should be ashamed, the source said. The meeting was a total disaster. The TV execs and anchors went in there thinking they'd be discussing the access they'd get to the Trump administration, but instead they got a Trump-style dressing down, the source added. According to the Post, attendees included NBC's Lester Holt and Chuck Todd, ABC's George Stephanopoulos, David Muir and Martha Raditz, Fox News' Bill Shine, MSNBC's Phil Griffin, and CNN's Jeff Zucker and Aaron Burnett, among others. Here, in no particular order, are a few random thoughts. First of all, the media totally deserve this. The media destroyed Mitt Romney in 2012 by turning him from an honorable family man, an excellent business person, into the scourge of the earth, searching far and wide for gay kids so he could practice his haircutting skills, hunting down dogs to strap them to his car. The media then decided to treat Barack Obama with kid gloves for eight years, soft-pedaling his lies on everything from Obamacare to Benghazi. Then finally, the media built up Donald Trump in the primaries and then attempted to tear him down in the general. They've earned every bit of scorn Trump can level at them. Second, Trump's going to start every single firefight he can. The media didn't leak this story to the Post gang. Trump's people certainly did. The Post was one of the friendliest publications in the country to Trump. And this bolsters Trump's favorite case, that he's a powerful god king, willing to face down the scurrilous media and hammer them into the ground. Trump relishes this sort of fisticuffs. It's why he singled out reporters during his campaign. It's why he went to war with Hamilton in Saturday Night Live over the weekend. Trump gets that most of his voters are sick of watching the media monopoly, and they're more than willing to countenance a president, bla a president blasting away at the media if it means destroying that monopoly. Third, the media will seek revenge by turning up the volume. The media just don't know how to handle a Republican who doesn't seem to care about their adoration. Their solution thus far is turning up the volume to 11. That's not working. They're treating every Trump tweet as apocalyptic. Every Trump outrage is plumbing new depths of Dante's Inferno. That only succeeds in making Trump look justified in slapping them with both hands, then poking them in the eyes like a member of the Three Stooges. The only way the media could cover Trump properly would be to understate their case rather than trotting out Howard Dean to label Trump cabinet appointees Nazis or covering Richard Spencer's alt-right hate fest as an extension of Trump world. Finally, this is not actually great news for Americans. Despite the delicious Scheidenfreude, this is not good news. Americans are best served when the press of every stripe have access to information about the executive branch. Closing off access for political gain was bad when Obama did it, and it isn't good when Trump does it. Many conservatives can't see past their own shortling over the media shamefacedly shuffling from Trump Tower tails between their legs, which is understandable, but the presidency is still a government office. It requires more daylight, not less. So, here's the bottom line. The lesson. 
you ought to be worried about a president who's not granting access to the press, even if they're happy that he's slapping them. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, so much to get to today. It's going to be an epic, epic day for good Trump, bad Trump. Epic day for good Trump, bad Trump. So once again, we say thank you to Brandon Snipes, the the author of the good Trump, bad Trump theme, because there's going to be so much invocation of that over the next four years, I can't even begin to describe it. But first, we have to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So if you're interested in purchasing precious metals because you think that the stock market is overvalued or the real estate market is overvalued, if you think that you want to hedge against inflation, if you're hedging against volatility in the stock market, then you need to put a little bit of your portfolio, at least into precious metals. The people at Birch Gold are folks who can help you move your 401k or, or IRA uh, into a into precious metals without the tax consequences. They have a 16-page free kit. If you go to birchgold.com slash Ben, birchgold.com slash Ben, they have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, a lot of five-star reviews. Uh, they're the folks I trust for, uh, for investment in precious metals. Again, ask all your questions. Make sure that you have all your answers before you invest. Then, when you're ready, to invest in precious metals, talk to my friends at Birch Gold Group, birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so just right off the top, we're going to play the good Trump, bad Trump theme because there's a lot going on today. All righty, let's play. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? All righty, so we begin with a little bit of good Trump. Yay, good Trump. See, here's the thing, folks. I wish that I could spend the entire show doing good Trump. There's one person who stands in the way of that. His name is Donald Trump. You may have seen him on TV. Donald Trump does a lot of silly, silly things. And in a minute, I'm going to go over all the things that he's telling the New York Times as we speak, because he's doing some live interview with the, with the New York Times, and they're tweeting out the interview. This is after he spent most of last night ripping on the New York Times and explaining why he wouldn't do an interview. And then it turned out that the real reason that he wasn't doing the interview, supposedly, is because why Ryan, his chief of staff, Reince Priebus, told him not to do the interview and then supposedly lied to Trump about the terms of the interview because he thought that Trump wouldn't be prepared for the interview and would look stupid. So this is going well. The chief of staff to the president of the United president-elect of the United States thinks that the president-elect is too dumb to handle the New York Times, so he just lies to him about the New York Times interview. This is according to Trump's camp, okay? This is not according to the press. This is what Trump is trotting out there. Why? Because either one of two things happened. Either Trump said, I'm not interviewing with those terrible people at the New York Times, or Reince Priebus told him not to and lied to him. And so Reince Priebus's body goes, ship, right under the Trump train. So it's in little pieces like Anna Karenina. So that's very exciting. But we, I promise there would be some good Trump. So we will begin with good Trump. So Trump has now outlined some of his policy plans for the first 100 days. And it's a mixed bag. Here's what he had to say. My agenda will be based on a simple core principle, putting America first. Whether it's producing steel, building cars, or curing disease, I want the next generation of production and innovation to happen right here on our great homeland, America, creating wealth and jobs for American workers. As part of this plan, I've asked my transition team to develop a list of executive actions we can take on day one to restore our laws and bring back our jobs. It's about time. These include the following. On trade, I am going to issue our notification of intent to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a potential disaster for our country. Instead, we will negotiate fair bilateral trade deals that bring jobs and industry back onto American shores. On energy, 
I will cancel job-killing restrictions on the production of American energy, including shale energy and clean coal, creating many millions of high-paying jobs. Right. So, so, so here's a bit of the mixed bag, right? So on energy policy, this is great, right, when he's talking about getting rid of these restrictions. Now, the truth is that the biggest problem the fracking industry faces right now is not regulation, although the regulation should go. The biggest problem they face is that the price of gas is minuscule. I mean, because all of the OPEC countries are attempting to outpump each other thanks to foreign policy. Saudi Arabia is trying to pump Iran into the ground. Iran's trying to pump Saudi Arabia into the ground. That means there's a glut of oil, and that means that the prices have gone down, so the profit margin in fracking has gone down, too. So that's the biggest problem facing the fracking industry is actual pricing in the market, not the regulations. But it's good that Trump is saying that. On the bad side, when he talks about TPP and revoking it, there are only two reasons to oppose TPP. Okay, Reason number one is that it included a lot of secret side clauses that Obama had negotiated. And reason number two is because the Congress of the United States should actually have the entire agreement in front of them before they before they approve it, and they didn't in the case of TPP. The idea that we're going to pull out of multilateral trade agreements and then just negotiate bilateral trade agreements that are fair for us. Okay, what, when Trump says fair for us, what he means is he wants to make foreign products more expensive for you, the consumer, because he wants to protect certain classes of people in the United States. So he wants to protect steel workers in Ohio or farm workers in Iowa. Okay, when Democrats do this sort of subsidies, that's bad. When Republicans do that sort of subsidies, it's also bad. So I'm not in favor of this kind of stuff. Cracking down on free trade is just a welfare program for people who are protected. Okay, if it really helped economies to put up tariffs, if it really helped economies, then the greatest economy on earth would be Venezuela. Venezuela has tariffs on virtually every product, and people are literally eating dogs. They're shooting dogs and eating them. The fact is that you, as an American, have the freedom and the ability to purchase any product you like in the marketplace at the lowest price that you can find. That's one of the things that's beautiful about free market capitalism. Trump doesn't get that. So there's the mixed bag. But he said some other stuff that's good. He talks about how he wants a plan on security to harden the, the infrastructure with regard to uh, terrorist attack. This is talking about uh, the idea of, of electrical grids being vulnerable to terrorist attack. All that's good. Uh, there are a few things he didn't mention. He didn't mention the wall. He didn't mention getting rid of Obama's executive amnesty. He didn't mention tearing up the Iran deal. So a lot of the big promises he made, he completely ignored. But, you know, what he said here, I would say about 70% of this is correct. So good. Good for him. Other good Trump. So there was a cop that was shot in San Antonio, died, and Trump immediately called the family of the cop. That is a major shift from President Obama, who spent most of his tenure reaching out to the people who were shot by cops, both rightly and wrongly, uh, and making the cops into the issue. Trump is not going to do that. That is a very, very good thing. So good for Trump for doing that. Other good things that Trump's doing. Trump met yesterday with the founder of Black Entertainment Television. And this is smart. Again, this is Trump doing outreach. And outreach is a good thing for Republicans to do. Does it disturb you? How do you get your arms around the fact that you've got people like that supporting him? But, but you had what you describe as a positive, frank and candid meeting. And you think he's committed to reaching out to black America. You know, as an African-American uh, who's been in business and had to come up and gr grow up from someone who was the first to go to college to, to create uh, successful businesses and create wealth for myself and a number of other African-Americans, I know that there are people like that in America. It's been that way ever since slavery existed in this country. They're not going to go away to, to tomorrow or, or the next day. Okay, so he, he actually came out and he said that he was happy that he met with Trump and they're hoping that they can work together. Again, smart of Trump to reach out in that way. Okay, so all of that is good Trump, or at least decent Trump. Now it's time for some bad Trump. 
Oh, no. So, a few things to, to begin. First of all, you remember that, that Trump had in Mitt Romney to the White House and, and said that he wanted to, or to, to Trump Tower, and said that he wanted to uh, consider him for Secretary of State. In this off-the-record meeting with the press, he then started bragging that Romney desperately wanted to be Secretary of State. He also had Kelly Ayotte, the senator from New Hampshire, who didn't back him. And there was talk about her possibly being Secretary of State or Sec Defense. And, uh, and Trump just said to the New York Times, we're not going to use Kelly Ayotte. I don't even like Kelly Ayotte. So he's, he's just bringing these people in to stomp on their faces, which, is that surprising? No, of course it's not surprising. This is Donald Trump you're talking about. Of course Trump was going to do this. I spoke with a higher up in one of the, the, these people who is not a big Trump backer, met with Trump. And I spoke with a higher up in this person's team. And I said, um, you should just be aware he's going to stomp on your face at the first available opportunity. Yes, yes, he will. Okay, so start with that. Now, Trump is also backing away from, you recall, just a few short days ago, you recall, stadiums full of people shouting, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up about Hillary Clinton. Remember? I'm old enough to remember that. Aren't you old enough to remember that? I think you are. If you're watching this show, I hope you are because it's obscene for those under the age of two weeks. But for, but the bottom line is that now Donald Trump is backing off of this. Kellyanne Conway, who's his campaign manager, now she's saying that Donald Trump will not move for prosecution of, of Hillary Clinton. So... Before we even get to this, let me just point something out. If Barack Obama... Okay, we're going to use the prop we used yesterday. This is the other foot shoe, right? You remember this? This is the shoe that says, take what Trump is doing, pretend Hillary was doing it, and then see if, you're li- if you like it. If Hillary Clinton had been elected and she said, I am not going to pursue investigation of the Clinton Foundation, we would have said, that's bad. The president doesn't get to decide those sorts of things. When Barack Obama took office, if he had said before taking office, I am going to tell Eric Holder to ignore all possible prosecution of the Black Panthers, people would have said, oh, that's bad. You're not supposed to do that. The president of the United States or the president-elect is not supposed to direct the attorney general to investigate or not investigate anything. By Kellyanne Conway, she says, don't worry, Donald Trump isn't going to prosecute Hillary Clinton again. Just for people who don't understand the Constitution, prosecutorial power lies with the Department of Justice. The president doesn't get to prosecute people. The Supreme Court, uh, Trump didn't know this, but the Supreme Court doesn't get to prosecute people. The Congress only gets to impeach people. Okay, they get to, they get to issue contempt orders also. But here's Kellyanne Conway saying something that if Hillary said it, we'd be a little bit upset about. I think when the president-elect, who's also the head of your party now, Joe, tells you before he's even inaugurated, he doesn't wish to pursue these charges. It sends a very strong message, tone and content to the members. And I think Hillary Clinton still has to face the fact that a majority of Americans don't find her to be honest or trustworthy. But if Donald Trump can help her heal, then perhaps that's a good thing. Um, Help her heal? I didn't remember those chants in the stadiums. Help her heal. Help her heal. I, I don't remember. Don't remember those. Kellyanne Conway, by the way, here you, you're put on warning, folks. If you if you think that Trump's going to keep all his promises, you have now been officially warned by Kellyanne Conway. She says, "Well, nah. I do look. I think he's thinking of many different things as he prepares to become the president of the United States, and things that sound like the campaign aren't among them." Okay, so things that sound like the campaign are not things he's going to do. Wait a second. So what is he going to do? Because I thought that the campaign is where you tell people what you're going to do. I thought that's what campaigns were for. What was the campaign for then? Was it just because he likes speaking in front of crowds? Okay, so you've, look, he's not president yet. We'll hold off judgment on what he does as president until we know 
what he's actually going to do, right? But the idea that you're going to get all the things that you wanted, that remember, he was saying this. He actually said, all your dreams will come true if he's elected. Well, that first dream that Hillary would go to prison, that, that dream is not coming true because he's actually actively interfering with the criminal justice system. So let's start with that. Let's start with that. Okay, other things that Trump is doing. Okay, so the, this interview with The New York Times is truly astonishing, and, and it just demonstrates that there are not really... Um, Trump kept talking during the campaign about how he would turn into presidential Trump, how he would just become magically presidential Trump. And I'm trying to be intellectually honest, folks. I know I'm saying things that people don't want to hear. That's because we're being intellectually honest here. We're trying to analyze this guy like he's the leader of the free world or the president-elect of the United States, not like he's our best friend and we're so excited he got elected. Oh, let's grant him all the opportunity. I don't believe in honeymoons. I don't. I believe in them when you're married. I don't believe in them in politics. There's no such thing as a honeymoon in politics. Once you have power... It's not my job to owe you support. It is your job to do your job for me. You work for me. Donald Trump works for me. Donald Trump works for you. We do not work for Donald Trump. We do not work for him. We do, it's not our job to support him. It is our job to say he's the president of the United States and he has governing power, but that comes along with some responsibility. So it is his job to live up to that responsibility, not our job to play nice with him when he does not. So just start with what he is saying today in this New York Times interview. So first he starts with ripping the New York Times. Okay, that's sort of normal. And he talks about the Electoral College. And then he starts talking about the alt-right. And he says about his alt-right supporters. So for people who haven't been following this show, we were some of the first people to expose the alt-right. The alt-right, the alternative right, it's a group of people. There's a lot of people who identify as alt-right who don't actually know what the alt-right is, right? They think they're alt-right because they like memes and they don't like Paul Ryan. That's not alt-right. Alt-right is people who believe in the philosophy of Richard Spencer or Jared Taylor. These are people who believe in the philosophy of Vox Day. They believe that Western civilization is in inherently and inextricably bound up with European ethnicity. They believe that the only way to preserve Western civilization is to have essentially more white people. That's the, that's the basic concept here. And a lot of alt-right people are very, very excited with Donald Trump. They like Donald Trump. And the reason they like Donald Trump is because Donald Trump has done a few things where he sort of winked and nodded at them. So, for example, when he refused to condemn the KKK, the alt-right got a big boost out of that. When Donald Trump hired Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon, who's his new chief strategist, a person I know, Bannon, is somebody who has called Breitbart the platform for the alt-right. Breitbart has printed pieces praising the alt-right and Richard Spencer, the alt-right neo-Nazi leader, basically, specifically praising Richard Spencer as an intellectual. Right? So, so Steve Bannon, he, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, he downplayed the alt-right as, oh, they're just a group of people who don't like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and they don't care about small government. No, that's not the whole thing. He, he acknowledged, Bannon did, yeah, there's a tinge of racism and anti-Semitism to the alt-right, but that, that's just fringy. That's just fringy stuff. No, the alt-right has a very specific philosophy. They mean what they say. Here is Trump on the alt-right. It's not a group I want to energize. And if they are energized, energized, I want to look into it and find out why. Hmm, I have a few ideas. I have a few ideas. Perhaps you shouldn't have hired the guy who said that he created Breitbart into a platform for the alt-right and then proceeded to downplay what the alt-right was in the pages of the Wall Street Journal and then say that the alt-right's racism and anti-Semitism are, are not really part of the movement. Okay, that's, that, Maybe that's why the alt-right is really excited about your administration, and maybe you should think about that a little bit more deeply. And then Trump reiterated that he was not interested in investigating the Clintons, and then he said that he's keeping his mind open on anthropogenic climate change. So he's, he's saying that, that the climate change treaties he'll think about deeply, which is for sure Obama in his ear. And then this is the part that's truly amazing, right? He was asked about his company. So we're going to get into some of his business conflicts in a second. Because again, if you want to see an actual successful Republican presidency, the president cannot be impeached because he's using the power of the federal government to boost his businesses. That's a bad thing. 
Right, where I come from, that's a bad thing. If you're rooting for Trump to succeed, you want him to separate off from his businesses so he's not involved in corruption. Well, we'll explain what exactly is happening with that in just a second. But to do that, you have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. $8 a month gets you a subscription. You can watch the rest of this show live. You can be part of the mailbag. We're going to be doing that tomorrow. We're going to deconstruct the culture a little bit later. And you get to watch us deconstruct the culture a little bit later in the, in the program. Uh, 8 bucks a month buys you not only access to the rest of my show live, but also Clavin's show live on video. You also get to be part of his mailbag. You also uh, get a free copy right now. If you get an annual subscription, you get a free copy of my book, True Allegiance, signed. Uh, and you can frame it, and it can be something that you hand down to your children because you once got a signed copy from me, which is amazing. But DailyWire.com is the place to go if you want to subscribe. Check it out right now. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that Donald Trump is uh, is doing with regard to his business. So let me start with seven things that if Hillary Clinton were doing them, you'd be pissed off about it because it would be Hillary Clinton but not Donald Trump, and therefore she's bad. And we know she's bad because she's Hillary Clinton. Okay, first of all, refusing to separate from your business ties. So I recall when we ran an entire campaign on the basis that if you used your corrupt ties to government in order to enrich things like, hmm, say the Clinton Foundation, that this made you ineligible for the presidency, Right corruption. This was bad. What would you say if I said, for example, that Hillary Clinton, let's enter alternative realityville for a second, okay? Alternative reality, reality, Hillary wins the the electoral college, not just the popular vote. And let's pretend that Hillary's president-elect. And the first thing she does is she invites in a bunch of business partners from the Clinton Foundation to meet with her. And she starts talking with them about how the Clinton Foundation is going to run. Would your radar be up a little bit? Would you find this concerning? How about if the Clinton Foundation went to all of the members of the, uh, of the various embassies and said, you know, it'd be great if you gave donations to the Clinton Foundation. That might make things really nice. Would this bother you? It, would that, and then what if Hillary went on Twitter and she tweeted out, prior to the election, it was well known that I have interests with countries all over the world. Only the crooked media makes this a big deal. Would you say, wait a second, that is a problem? I think you probably would. I think that you probably would. Well, this week, Donald Trump met with Indian business partners on Trump properties, people who are the heads of his Trump apartments in India. They came and they visited with him. Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. invited the members of local embassies to the facilities, quote, to encourage them to use it when leaders from their countries visited Washington. And then Trump tweeted, prior to the election, it was well known I have interest in properties all over the world. Only the crooked media makes this a big deal. Okay? If it were Hillary, you'd be pissed. If it's Trump, for some reason, a lot of people aren't. That's silly towns. You should be upset about this. It's time for him to move away from his business interests. Otherwise, this is just hypocrisy of the highest order. It is. Let's be intellectually honest here. We have a single standard for politicians. It doesn't change just because you have an R next to your name. By the way, Trump's whole campaign was run on this drain the swamp routine. Okay, if you're going to drain the swamp, that doesn't mean that you bring the swamp into the White House with you. That doesn't drain it. Okay, it just moves it. You don't get to move it into the White House with you and then blame the media when, when I mean, it really is an amazing thing. He says, drain the swamp. The media say, okay. And then he says, by the way, how dare you say I'm going to drain the swamp? You knew all along I wasn't going to drain the swamp. Wait, 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 hold on, hold up. Just a second. You said that these kind of ties were bad. And now you're saying they're not bad. So in this interview with Maggie Haberman at the New York Times and, and the rest of the New York Times editorial board, quote, Trump acknowledges the D.C. hotel he owns is probably a more valuable asset than it was before. The brand is hotter. Then he says, as far as business and conflict questions, conflict of interest, like using the power of the presidency to benefit his business, quote, the law is totally on my side. The president can't have a conflict of interest. See, this is a nice thing about being king, is that you can do whatever you want. 
This is a problem. Okay, then he says he was apparently had a meeting with Nigel Farage from Britain. He's this parliament member from Britain, runs the, the UK Independent Party. And there is a rumor that Trump had talked to him about getting rid of windmills, these, these ugly, stupid wind farms. One is near his golf course in Scotland. Quote, I might have brought it up, Trump said, of Farage meeting and wind farms. What does that have to do with being president? Nothing. What does it have to do with being the head of the Trump corporations? A lot. Quote, Trump says in theory he could continue signing checks at his company, but he is phasing that out now and giving to his kids. Does that make you feel better that he's handing it over to his kids? By the way, Ivanka is attending meetings. Ivanka is currently going to White House meetings with Trump. She met with, Abe, with Shinzo Abe, uh, Shinzo Abe, who's the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, the, the, the Japanese prime minister. And, uh, and she was apparently on a phone call with the Argentinian president yesterday. On that phone call, supposedly Trump or Ivanka asked about special permitting for Trump company towers in Argentina. Uh, Trump denies it. The Argentinian president denies it. But, you know, you would if it happened, right? You wouldn't be talking about it. This quote is amazing. Here's Donald Trump. Quote, in theory, I could run my business perfectly and then run the country perfectly. There's never been a case like this, he says of his tangles. Okay, first of all, there have been lots of presidents who own businesses. You know what those presidents do? They separate off from their businesses. Right? That's what you do. And then he says, I'd assume that you'd have to set up some type of trust or whatever. And you don't. And they said, I'd like to do something. Oh, well then, if you'd like to do something, that solves everything. Again, if this were Hillary Clinton, you would be upset. Second, if Hillary Clinton brought Chelsea into the White House and then made her her special advisor while Chelsea was still running the Clinton Foundation, you'd be upset. That's exactly what Trump is doing with his kiddies. Okay, how about if Hillary came into office and the first thing she said was, you know what, we need a trillion dollar infrastructure plan, not 800 billion like Obama. We need to go above that, a trillion dollar infrastructure plan. That's what we need. What if, what if Hillary said, what if she said, conservatives are going to go crazy. I'm pushing a trillion dollar infrastructure plan with negative interest rates throughout the world. It's the greatest opportunity to build everything. He's talking, talking about borrowing. Hillary talked about borrowing. Shipyards, ironworks, get them all jacked up. We're going to throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks. It'll be as exciting as the 1930s. You think conservatives might mock that, say the 1930s weren't that great a time, and trillion-dollar infrastructure projects are boondoggles? You think that? You know who said that? Steve Bannon, the new chief strategist for the White House. Okay, that's the guy that, that's running Trump's, Trump's brain, apparently. Okay, how about the DOJ? How about saying that you'll manipulate the DOJ? We talked about this earlier. If Hillary did it, you'd be pissed. Trump does it? Eh. Right, how about excoriating unfriendly media? Listen, I enjoy ripping the media as much as anybody. I do it for half the show pretty much every day. But if you're the president-elect and you use your time to just excoriate the media and then attempt to restrict their access, that's not a good thing. If Hillary Clinton did it, you'd be upset, wouldn't you? Yes, I'm sure you would. How about if, for example, Hillary Clinton got into office and she tweeted out, many people would like to see Shimon Perez represent Israel as the ambassador to the United States or would like to see you know, some, some real lefty in Israel represent Israel as the ambassador to the United States. Would you be upset and say, wait, wait, Hillary, you don't have any business telling Israel how to conduct its business? Yesterday, Trump tweeted, quote, many people would like to see Nigel Farage represent Great Britain as their ambassador to the United States. He would do a great job. So now he's telling the British government which ambassador to send. By the way, Nigel Farage is enemies with the person currently in power in Britain, the conservative Theresa May. This doesn't mean everything Trump does is bad. It does mean that you ought to keep an eye on it if we are intellectually honest and if you don't want to see his administration explode. See, everybody takes criticism for Trump as though you want to see him fail. No, I would like to see Trump prove to me that I've been wrong about him all along. I would love to see I would love to see Trump buck all expectations and turn out to be an honorable good guy who separates off from his business interests, isn't corrupt, doesn't participate in this sort of pat on the back politics. I would love to see all of that. But in order for him to do that, 
we're actually going to have to hold his feet to the fire. It's not enough just to pretend that everything is okay, because when it isn't, it isn't. When it isn't, it isn't. Okay, Donald Trump this morning was telling the New York Times, quote, I think I was the first person that ever contributed to Chuck Schumer. That's the Democratic minority leader in the Senate. I've liked Chuck Schumer for a long time. Is this something conservatives should be very, very excited about? Is this something this is, that you should be really pumped about? When he was asked about potential pushback on that trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, he said, quote, from other Republicans, this is a quote, right now they're in love with me. Right now they're in love with me. Okay, so if Republicans had caved to an Obama stimulus package, would you be ticked? But if they do it for Trump, are you okay now? This is, this is why I say, even if you were somebody who backed Donald Trump all the way up to Wazoo, even if you thought that he'd be fantastic and you thought he'd be better than Hillary, Hillary is no longer the issue. Hillary has, Hillary's already done, okay? Hillary is gone. She's not part of the equation anymore. Yay, good. No one wants her anywhere near power. Now you have somebody who's actually the president-elect. What is he going to do? It is your job to determine what he's going to do. And all this nonsense about honeymoon periods and all the rest of it, it is not helpful if you actually want him to be a good president and not just a figurehead that you're going to worship from afar. But I'm afraid that the, the Scheidenfreude of watching him take vengeance on our enemies and stomp their corpses into the dust, I'm afraid that's going to take precedence over principle. So as an example, here's Sean Hannity applauding Trump for, quote, kicking the ass of the network heads. Okay, he tweeted this. He said, Best news of the day. Real Donald Trump kicking the, the ass of network heads for their bias. Zucker, Martha Raddatz, NBC News. Wish I saw this. Honestly, thanks to the people of this country that refuse to be influenced by a morally bankrupt news media. Okay, Sean Hannity spent the entire primary and general election sequel, uh, section pumping up Trump, and he used to rip Obama for not giving access to Fox News, and now he's all in favor of this sort of thing. From a Scheidenfried level, I totally agree with Sean. I do. The media deserve this. The media are awful. They are. They've been awful my entire life. I'm Go online, search Ben Shapiro CNN, and watch me on CNN ripping CNN to CNN. Okay, I did it like on Sunday. Okay, I think the media are, are garbage too. But when the president of the elect of the United States is attempting to intimidate media into covering him a certain way, that is not a good thing. That is not a good thing. Right, Katie Tour, who, who's been called out specifically by Trump at rallies, she's of NBC News, she says that Trump is basically trying to go after the press, and she's right. Uh, but this is certainly an indication that Donald Trump is going to try and do things his own way. We know that he's already used Twitter to his advantage in that sense. They are um, trying to get out his message without the filter of the press. That way Donald Trump can say what he wants to say, uh, sometimes spin the truth in his favor. This could be the start of them trying to really undercut and diminish the American free press, which is a problem. Okay, well, again, the media should have thought it was a problem when Obama was doing it. Uh, I'm glad they, they think it's a problem when Trump is doing it, but it should always be a problem. Again, it is not good when you restrict the power of the press. Charles Krauthammer came out. He said, look, these conflicts of interest between Trump over his businesses, you know, this stuff is insoluble. This is not going away anytime soon. I don't think it can be done. I don't think this is a complicated problem. I think this is an insoluble problem. First of all, we've never had a president withholding so um, widespread around the world. Second, as he himself has said in many of the depositions he's done over the years, the value of his company fluctuates according to perception. And the main element of the values of a lot of his properties has to do with his name. Many of them are not his, they're just, they slap his name on and the value increases and he gets a payment. So the idea, what you would normally do is you sell everything 
because you can't have a blind trust for a business that's so visible. You have to sell everything. But that, of course, would impact the value. It would be a fire sale. He would never do that. He spent his entire life constructing this extremely closely held empire that all re revolves around him and reflects him. It would require him to, to basically look back on the 30 years of his life he built this and to say, that's over forever. I'm now going to liquidate my holdings. And from now on, I'm president and president only. Unless he does that, there is no answer to this. And every time he makes a phone call to a head of state where he has a business interest, there will be questions. And the chances of that actually happening? Close to zero. But then again, I said that about his chances of winning the presidency. <laughs> Okay, but in this case, they are close to zero, and Trump is making clear he doesn't want to divest himself of his holdings. This is going to be insoluble. That's exactly right. Meanwhile, the media have focused in on the, – the, the media have an interest in building up the worst of the, of the Trump support base, and that, of course, is the people on the alt-right. So they've been building up this alt-right conference. Now, I've talked a lot about the alt-right because I believe that the alt-right is being mainstreamed by people like Steve Bannon, by the folks at Breitbart. I think that what they're attempting to do is, is a couple of step process. The first thing is they gain a little little bit of media credibility. The second thing is they broaden the definition of alt-right so that they have a bunch of people who think they're alt-right but aren't actually alt-right. So when you say alt-right, people go, why are you saying bad things about the alt-right? I'm alt-right, even if they're not alt-right, right? And then that's, that's sort of the goal. And then the next thing is once they're mainstreamed, then they can actually start to, to kind of push their talking points in sophisticated ways in the media. The media are helping out with this because they're so eager to get Trump that they're granting new platforms to the alt-right. So they gave a lot of coverage to this alt-right conference in Washington, D.C. And it's ugly. I mean, this is ugly stuff. Over the weekend, they gathered in Washington to celebrate Donald Trump's victory. Here's how they celebrated using Nazi propaganda terms, bashing Hillary Clinton's minority support and saying America belongs to white people. Also this. Hail Trump. Hail our people. Hail victory. Nazi. Those are some Nazi just holding up their heads. Making not a very strong case for white supremacy here. Uh, these are these are obviously idiots. But the reason that this is somewhat troubling, okay, this is a direct quote from a piece by Milo Yiannopoulos over at Breitbart.com. This is back in March. Okay, quote, the, the guy who's speaking right there is Richard Spencer. The media empire of the modern-day alternative right coalesced around Richard Spencer during his editorship of Takis magazine. In 2010, Spencer founded AlternativeRight.com, which would become a center of the alt-right thought. Alongside other nodes like Steve Saylor's blog, V-Dare, and American Renaissance, AlternativeRight.com became a gathering point for an eclectic mix of renegades who objected to the established political consensus in some form or another. Does that look like an eclectic mix of renegades, by the way? Or does that look like a bunch of neo-Nazis, right? I mean, people who, who believe in, in neo-Nazi philosophy. I love that what Spencer said after all this was, was done, he was a little embarrassed by the fact that they caught him on video doing this. And so he said, oh, you know, that's just us being trolly, right? It's just being trolly and mischievous. Hmm, who can I think of who used to say that people tweeting out Nazi memes was trolly and mischievous? Hmm, hmm, can't, British accent? No, 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 no one comes to mind. Okay, this is the point. Okay, once you start mainstreaming this crap, it starts becoming more mainstream. The media are paying attention to it, and they're, they're giving it unjustified prominence, and they're giving it all of this exposure, uh, largely because they want to try and lump all Trump support into this basket, which is really stupid, because most Trump supporters have no idea who these morons are. But it is important to point out that these people do feel emboldened by Trump, and they feel emboldened for a reason. Meanwhile, 
you know, the, the, I've said before that the danger of Trump is really not even the alt-right so much as it is the, the transformation of the Republican Party into a far-right European party. Uh, and, and that sort of far-right European model, the idea that, that it's going to be protect the borders, tariff everything up the wazoo, and then have a really big government that redistributes stuff inside, that's going to gain global prominence. It already is. Marine Le Pen uh, in France, she's apparently doing really well in the polls over there. And here is Marine Le Pen talking about Donald Trump's election. I am very happy about the election of Donald Trump. The choice of the American people was courageous and advantageous. And I think that the United States will once again regain its former image in the world, which had become very damaged, especially by the administration for which Hillary Clinton worked. The United States cannot have the image of warmongers, with all the potential consequences it could have for our respective countries. So that the United States has once again regained an image as an organization of peace is beneficial for us all. Okay, so the idea that, that we're going to have sort of this isolationist country, and it's going to be very much like Marine Le Pen's France, I've been proclaiming this for months. I said this is always the danger of Trumpism, was getting rid of constitutional conservatism and universalized Western civilization, the idea that anyone is capable of integrating to Western civilization if they have the proper philosophy. That's being cast aside in favor of this kind of rootless nationalism based not in principle, but based just in place. And, and Trump is in favor of that, and so is Bannon. And uh, none of this is particularly good. The reason that it's important to sound all this stuff out right now is because we still do want Trump to do the right thing. If you're not going to sound out your opposition now, like people wouldn't, I understand, people didn't want to do that when he was running against Hillary because they felt any opposition to Trump when he was running against Hillary undercut Trump and then Hillary would be elected and she was Satan, right? So that was the idea. Hillary's gone now. So if you're going to stand up and you're going to say some of this stuff is not good, wouldn't now be a decent time to do it? Or are we just going to play this thing all the way out because we enjoy the schadenfreude of watching him hit a lot of the right people? You know, as far as the alt-right, I think it's important to mention when I say that mainstreaming the alt-right and redefining it away, this is a direct quote from Steve Bannon in the Wall Street Journal, quote, Our definition of the alt-right is younger people who are anti-globalist, very nationalist, terribly anti-establishment. That is not what the alt-right is. That's a purposeful misdefinition of the alt-right to broaden it out and make it seem as though it's just a bunch of people who are rebellious. Okay, anti-globalist, when it comes to international control of the United States, I'm anti-globalist. Very nationalist, I'm very nationalist about the founding principles. Terribly anti-establishment, uh, I hate the establishment. Am I alt-right? I'm the number one target of the alt-right. So this is obviously a crappy definition of the alt-right. And I love this. Bannon says, sure, the alt-right has some racial and anti-Semitic overtones, but I, I have zero tolerance for such views. Oh, except for how you redefine what the alt-right is and then give it space on your pages. Got it, got it. Uh, all of this is, it goes under bad Trump. Now, again... It's going to be a war for the heart and soul of the Trump administration. Will Trump listen to the people who brung him? Is he going to dance with the, the people at the top level who brung him? Or is he going to allow his better sense to rule and be a good president? All of that is up in the air so far, and we have to wait to see. But again, the reason I'm criticizing Trump is not just for the fun of it, folks. I really would prefer not to. The truth is, again, most people who are listening to this, I know, would prefer that I praise Trump. I would prefer that I praise Trump. But I can only praise Trump when he's not doing bad things, and I'm not going to lie to you just because it's convenient for me to do so for ratings. That's something I won't do. There are lots of people who will. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. Okay, time for some stuff I like, some stuff I hate, and then we'll deconstruct the culture a little bit. So, things that I like. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 12 Angry Men. Of course, this is a very uh, famous film. Uh, the, the Henry Fonda version. Uh, lots of remakes have been done. Various kind of, it's become you know, very big in community theater because it's easy to cast, although now people think it's sexist because it's all men, which is idiotic. 
but in the, but the, the but the, it's actually it's actually a quite good movie uh, with one flaw, which I'll explain. Most people have seen this film, but I'll explain the the flaw uh, after we watch a little bit of the trailer. Here's what I think happened. How can I be positive about anything? I don't understand you people. I mean, all these picky little points you keep bringing up, they don't mean nothing. You are going to try a man for murder. The awesome power to kill will suddenly be thrust into your hands. Watch them and pray, for someday you may become one of them. Twelve men with the smell of violent death in their nostrils. What's the matter with you guys? You're letting them slip through our fingers. Slip through our fingers? Are you his executioner? You cut it. Ever since you walked into this room, you've been acting like a self-appointed public avenger. Shut up. You're a sadist. Twelve men turned into twelve clawing animals. The movie's actually really good. There's only one problem with the movie, okay? It's got an amazing cast. I mean, the cast of this film is truly terrific. There's only one problem with this film, okay? The whole film is about, uh, they've re- there, there's a murder case, and 11 people vote to convict, and one guy doesn't. That's Henry Fonda. He's supposed to be the all-American figure who stands up for, for justice under law. There's only one problem. The dude is so guilty. He's super guilty. When you watch this, it is so clear that he's guilty. Everything that they do in this trial would have let O.J. Simpson off. Like, the case is... So, there, there are no alternative suspects. His alibi is completely fallacious. The, the evidence that he brings into the jury room wouldn't have even been allowed in the jury room, right? So the, there's, there's all sorts of flaws with it. But that said, it's a good movie. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it does, again, I think, do a little bit of a disservice to how the justice system actually works because there's no such... If, if, if this case was not proved beyond a reasonable doubt, no murder case in history has ever been proved beyond a reasonable doubt... But it is, it is a well-done film, 12 Angry Men. Okay, other things that I like. So somebody brought this to my attention. Uh, somebody spent a lot of time on this, and I feel that it's necessary for us to grant them their due. Uh, and that, of course, is uh, this, uh, this little video um, about how the thug life originally came to me. Um, we'll just show it, and I'll react. Hey kid, I'm not going to hurt you. I have an important secret to tell you. I know what Hillary Clinton did. From 2009 to 2013, she... Cecile the Lamb, where am I? You are at the gates of heaven, but the people of earth still need you. Come touch the holy water and you shall be returned. Goodbye and good luck. Oh my god. Come here, my child. What are you doing here? I'm here to give you your power. <laughs> oh my god uh, good lord people you have too much time on your hands but that's amazing wow uh, I mean, the fact that stop action that took somebody a long time to do goodness gracious wow i wish i could frame that and put it on my wall i do that's pretty spectacular and I, what I just don't know is how they, how they came that close to telling my life story without even knowing 
the story of my life story. That's what's truly amazing. Okay, time for some things I hate. Let's do it. All righty, so... The Hollywood has an obsession with Barack Obama. The American public obviously does not share, right? We were more than happy to, to throw that dude out on his rear at the first available opportunity uh, in favor of Donald Trump, okay? If that's not a slap in the face to, to Barack Obama, I don't know what is. But Hollywood is still deeply in love with him. I mean, Hollywood wants to make sweet, sweet love to him. And so they do. Netflix is now, they've now released a new trailer. They have a new movie about Barack Obama as a young man that thousands of people were dying not to see. Uh, and here and here is the trailer. You take the baton from the ones who've come before, and you carry it as far as you can, and then you hand it off. What about you? Where are you from? Well, Honolulu, mostly. Grew up in Indonesia for a while, too. You a whole different type of brother. You do realize that, right? It's not my scene. What is your scene? I'm still trying to figure that out. Surprise! Mom? Oh my word. You know I'm the only black person in four of my five classes. But you're half white too. You can fit in anywhere. I fit in nowhere. The world is a big place, honey. You'll find your way. You got some ID? I'm a student here. ID. Well, I don't. I don't see you IDing them. So what's so special about me, huh? Okay. Does anyone in the world want to watch this film? Anybody in the world want to watch this film outside of the Obama household? We've already had them make a movie about Barack and Michelle's first date that nobody watched. It was a giant fail. And now we have one about him growing up as a young man based on his fictional autobiography, Dreams for My Father. And a lot of it is fictionalized. A lot of it is is rewritten. And there's composite girlfriends and all this nonsense. And now it's going to be, well, we need the story of a man torn between his white heritage and his black heritage. Who is he? He has to define himself. And how will he define himself? In the apotheosis of glory, he'll be president! Okay, except then he turned out to be the world's crappiest president. And um, yeah, I don't care what shaped him. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I mostly care that he was a really bad president with a terrible philosophy of what America is that was very skewed about how terrible America is. And he spent the last eight years polarizing us around racial lines after doing this promise that he was going to unify us racially. Okay, but Hollywood has an obsession with Obama. You want people to vote for Trump? Keep making movies like this, really. You want people to vote for Trump's reelection? Keep making movies called Barry about Barack Obama. By the way, he wouldn't allow anybody, apparently, like, you know, when he was younger, he called himself Barry. But then as he got older, he called himself Barack, and that was supposed to be more genuine, more genuine Barack. Or maybe it's just more exotic. Whatever it was, the whole thing is just, the, the worship, I hate politician worship. I truly despise it, and I hate it from our side, I hate it from their side. But only one side gets Hollywood's worship, too, and that, of course, is the, is the folks uh, at, who, who love Barack Obama. Really, really gross. Okay, let's, uh, let's do some deconstructing the culture. We haven't done it in a while, so... Uh, every uh, every couple of weeks now, we haven't done it in a while, but every few weeks, we uh, we deconstruct the culture. We take some top 40 music, and we look at the, the lyrics of it, and we explain what it is that is is making our culture run, why it is that, that people listen to this stuff uh, beyond, obviously, the mind-numbing lyrics and, and mind-deadening music. Uh, we actually try and see what, what messages are being purveyed. What is it that your kids are getting out of the pop music they listen to? So today, it's actually the number number one on the charts is a is a... Song called Closer, featuring Halsey uh, by the Chainsmokers. 
And, uh, and here is a little bit of the video. Just fine before I met you. People in bed. Drink too much and that's an issue, but I'm okay. Hey, you tell your friends it was nice to meet them, but I hope I never see them again. I know it breaks your heart. Oh, look, people have a Never seen that in a pop video before. Four years, no problem. Now you're looking pretty in a hotel bar. And I, You shouldn't have sex in front of people, folks. It's a bad policy. Okay, so, so here's the thing about this. And then it turns into a softcore porn video, and they're all making out and having sex and making out in front of people, which, again, folks, public exposure is not legal. So so here, here's the thing about this song that, that really is troublesome. Okay, so... It's, it, once you get past all of the I was doing fine and then I met you and now we love each other and we want to screw all the time uh, the, the part that's really telling is, is this particular stanza you heard the last lyric and that's the one that matters so baby pull me closer in the backseat of your rover, rover that I know you can't afford okay the, this idea this glorification of making bad choices like let's go in this car that you can't afford and you'll be bankrupt the rest of your life but at least we're having sex now awesome and pull the sheets right off the corner of the mattress that you stole from your roommate back in Boulder well, what happened to your roommate back in Boulder? That seems not nice to your roommate back in Boulder, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, everything is okay because it's all selfish, right? We ain't ever getting older. We ain't ever getting older. A society that doesn't want to get older is a society that is stuck perpetually in adolescence. It's a society incapable of raising children and building families and building a society that is worthy of the freedoms to which we have been privy. Okay, freedom is not just about screwing who you want in the backseat of rovers you can't afford after stealing your roommate's mattress in Boulder. It turns out that having a workable civilization is about a little bit more than that. And okay, I'm over-reading the song, but this is the problem, okay? People are, people are engaged with this culture for hours and hours and hours, and all it comes down to is let's have sex, and there will never be any responsibility. That's all it comes down to. And then they say, which party, which political party will give me sex without any responsibility? Oh, maybe the Democratic Party, since that's their actual platform. It turns out that the best thing that you can do as a parent or as a human being is to encourage people to grow up. When people don't grow up, they remain children forever. Listen, I have two kids. I love my kids. But right now I have a kid who's just about to turn three, and she fusses like half the time because she's going through a tantrum period. And I'm very much excited for her to stop doing that. Okay, I'm also very much excited for the adolescents, these people who are perennially adolescent. I mean, I don't know how old the singer is. I assume he's in his 20s. At some, at some point, shouldn't he get a job and stop worrying about having sex with people in the random backseats of their cars after she stole a mattress for her, from her unfortunate roommate in Pot Central, Boulder, Colorado? Like, it's, it's, it's all just, it's, again, it's this, it's this, you're in love with youth. If you're in love with youth, as opposed to being in love with wisdom, you are likely to get neither youth nor wisdom. You'll age anyway. Time doesn't give a crap, okay? Time will still make you older. You'll just be stupid and old, as opposed to being smart and wise and old. If you're not, if you don't aspire to anything beyond random sexual activity with a person who, again, 
is is guilty apparently of petty petty robbery and may end up doing a short prison term. Okay, uh, other other deconstructing the culture. We'll do one more. Uh, this one comes uh, courtesy of Kiara. It's spelled K I I A R A. I don't know if this is this person's real name uh, or what it means, but in any case, Kiara and, and it's a song called Gold. Unfortunately, it's not about birch gold, um, but it is indeed. But it is actually about uh, it is about gold. But but it's about dental gold. Oddly enough, here we go. Oh, Auto Tune gets half credit for this one. Because seizures too. People, goodness gracious. saying, and you can't tell what she's saying because apparently her mother was eaten by a synthesizer at one point. But here is the actual lyric. Okay, the, the actual lyric is, roof is falling, let me love, me falling, I just know, which isn't even English. Complete sentences, people. Roof is falling, let me, let me love me. Well, no one's stopping you. And then it says, gold up in my, gold up in my teeth, don't care what you say to me, I'ma bite your feelings out. Which is weird. I missed you in the basement, but your brother was a good substitute for you. This does not seem like the kind of person that you should date. I'm just saying. Okay, so I understand that this person has gold up in her teeth, and she wants to bite your feelings out and then have sex with your brother. But that's really, that, that shouldn't be attractive to you. If you love me, love me, but you never let me go. When the roof was on fire, you never let me know. Which, by the way, is cruel. If somebody is in a house and the roof is on fire, you should most certainly let them know. That is a massive health hazard. Say you're sorry, honey, but you never really show. And I could leave the party without ever letting you know, without ever letting you... I mean, that's true. I assume you could, but that wouldn't be very nice either. I mean, then I'm just sitting there and I don't know where you went. And I'm looking at my cell phone going, what the hell? It's already like two in the morning. I don't know where she went. What the... It continues along these lines. Gold up in my... Gold up in my teeth. Gold up. Gold up in my teeth. Tastes like money when I speak. Why would you know what money tastes like? Why are you eating money? That's not what money is for. And I missed you in the basement. Bodies on the pavement. Whoa! That was a quick escalation. Nobody knows how he went from just hanging out in the basement to dead people lying on the street, but... Uh, if you love me, love me, but you never let me go. When the roof is on fire, you never let me know. Say you're sorry, honey, but you never really show. Um, okay, this is nonsense, basically. So this is just a bunch of nonsense, and it's a bunch of random notes. And it, it is... Th maybe this makes sense... I'm not going to do a, I'm not going to do a, a poll of the room again about drug use, um, but uh, I am going to. But I assume that this song is much better if you're high. Uh, and having never been high, I can only I can only assume because this song is absolute crap if you're not. So I assume if you're sober, then this song continues to make no sense. But if you're high, somehow it all it all devolves upon you. The the wisdom and, and genius of life, the unity of the universe, is upon you. Uh, and but until then, I can't. In, you know, there's not. There's not even a way to interpret this. Okay, it's in a foreign language. I don't even know what it's saying. It's just weird. So thanks, thanks, young people who are weird. I'm so glad that you've blessed us all with this kind of culture. And then you got this weird ass guy in the background with gold paint all over his body, like he's a refugee from an Oscar ceremony. But they were doing like a live Oscar. <laughs> but they were doing like an, a live Oscar ceremony from from an outtake and eyes wide shut with with Tom Cruise or something. I don't. 
okay, I can't, I can't. I, 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 there are no words. I don't know. Okay, finally she's leaving. Okay, so this video comes to an end. Thank you, K-I-I-A-R-A, K-E-E-E-R-A, for that wonderful piece of Shakespearean genius. Whenever people say that pop lyricists are just like Shakespeare, I can only think, only if Shakespeare was actually a monkey. Only if Shakespeare was actually a monkey and sat there for thousands of years typing Hamlet. That is the only way that is humanly possible. How Shakespeare was even a, a member of the same general civilization as the people who create these kind of lyrics is far beyond me. So on that happy note, we'll be back here tomorrow. And uh, we'll do the mailbag a day early because Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving. And a day that all lefties hate will also tell you the true story of Thanksgiving, uh, which is at least in part about how communism failed. Seriously. Um, and, uh, and, then we will, and then we'll all go out and we'll go uh, and slaughter turkeys and eat their flesh and, and do all the things that we Americans traditionally love to do, which will be, which will be awesome. And uh, we will not apologize for any of those things because we're going to make Thanksgiving great again. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.